Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood by the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, there were fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, you are the living word. And we ask that you would speak to us this morning. 
through your voice in a way that we can hear. Quiet our hearts, still our minds. Help us to listen. Your presence here is evident through the music, through the fellowship, through your spirit that surrounds us and holds us and fills us. We give you our lives, we give you this time. I give you the words that I have prepared, Lord. May it glorify your son so that we may live for him. In his name we pray, amen. Today is uh, the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. It's the day that we remember those who have fallen in war and service to our country. I remember growing up in Ohio, it was a time when our, our family would remember my Uncle Arthur, who I never met. He died in World War II. He had just been sent over as a replacement. And I think within the first two weeks, his life was taken and lost. Our family would reflect upon that, and then we would get down to the other activity this weekend, which is far less serious, but for some of us, still just as vital. We would start grilling for the season. We would have barbecue, and then it would last, because that was the beginning of summer. It was the, the time when we would reflect upon our many blessings and share in the wonder of the goodness of life. And what that meant for us is you lit some hot coals and you put them a, a nice chunk of meat on there. Could be chicken, could be ribs, could be pork chops, but best of all, it was steak. Maybe a nice ribeye or a T-bone. And, and the, the aroma of that grilling meat would fill the olfactory receptors in your nose with an aroma like nothing else you knew. Now, I grew up with a bunch of Catholic friends and, and you know during those days, they had Meatless Friday. So as my family was grilling our meat on Friday, steak or chicken, they would be going off to the Knights of Columbus for their Friday fish fry. And then when they came home, I would be reminiscing about how good my T-bone was. And they'd say, Brett, will you be quiet? It reminds me of a story of another Methodist who grew up among Catholics. And he too enjoyed a good steak on a Friday night as they were going off to the Knights of Columbus for their fish fry. And he, the, the smell, the aroma was tempting them, was bothering. It, it, they, they wanted to do something about it, so they decided we must convert this guy. We must bring him to Catholicism so we can relieve our stress and our suffering. They worked on him all summer long and, and, and finally towards the end of summer he relented and he went to the priest who sprinkled holy water on him and he said, born a Methodist, raised a Methodist, now a Catholic. Now they thought that their dilemma was over and it was relieved until the next Friday came. And again, they smelt that aroma of grilling beef. They were horrified. So they ran to their neighbor's backyard trying to remind him of what he needed to do and the changes that he needed to make in his life or needed to make in his life. And they saw him standing over his grill sprinkling water on his grilling meat, saying, born a cow, raised a cow, now a fish. <laughs> I have a question for you to ponder this morning. Do you believe that people can change? This is a no judgment zone. Do you believe that people can change or what you get is pretty much all there is? that people are like the leper, that they cannot change their spots. Do you think that people can change? Now, I've known people on both sides of this issue. 
Some who truly believe that it was impossible, that people are who they are, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, I'm a firm believer that people can change. Now, I don't believe that it's necessarily easy, but each and every day, you and I make choices. And if we are intentional about the choices we make, and we have a sense of idea of what we'd like to do and who we believe we're becoming, we indeed can begin to make incremental changes in our lives to the grace, the mercy, and the power of God. But at the same time, many of the decisions we make are automatic. Just like this past weekend, I'm not even sure where I was going, but I set out to go there, and I wasn't really thinking about the journey, and I ended up at Harris Teeter because it's such a familiar drive. And sometimes our brain gets into autopilot, doesn't it? We just basically do what we've always done and don't really think about it till after the fact. But I do believe we can indeed choose a different and new path because of the grace and the mercy of God. My belief is embedded in my faith in God, my trust in God's grace, and in my own experience of surrender to the push and pull of the Holy Spirit, as well as God's ever calling, always encouraging love. I think one of the things I like about these verses in John 21, we must understand the setting. It has happened after Easter. The resurrected and living Christ has already been among his disciples. John tells us this is the third time. One of the first, earliest, was to let them know he had risen. They came then to tell, he came rather, to tell doubting Thomas to believe, to have faith. And in these visits, he said, God is up to something new. God is working in your midst. God is doing something new in our world, and you are a part of it. But you must wait. You must wait for the Spirit to come. You must wait and be patient. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not very patient. I don't like to wait. I mean, I'm an only child. I grew up with, they diagnosed me in the early 60s with ADHD, they didn't call it back then, I think it was hyperkinetic activity and attention deficit disorder. Much easier to say ADHD. I mean, I couldn't sit still. I still move around a lot. People who know me said, why are you moving? Why do you, I struggle with that. I just have this nervous energy or whatever it is. My mother had another name for it, but I would just call it nervous energy. But nonetheless, waiting and patience is not one of the virtues that I, I excel at. I have to work at it. I have to practice it. And, and there's this other phrase that people say all the time, they or he who hesitate is lost. Now, I mean, how do you balance these two? I understand the dilemma the disciples are going through. Jesus said, wait. And they waited. And they're looking at their watch. No, they didn't have one. They're, they're looking at the stars going, okay, when is this gonna happen? So Peter is probably a lot like me, impetuous and impatient. He said, guys, let's do something. Let's do something we know. Let's go fishing. And they said, yeah, finally, something to do. So they got in there. I guess they didn't get in the boats yet, but they walked to the sea and they got into the boats and they went out to fish. I get that. It's easy to go back to the things we know. The path of least resistance. It's easy to basically go back to what we know and what is easy. And I think it was probably very easy for Peter, given the whole sunrise and the crowing rooster, which I'm sure was very much 
in his mind and heart and soul. Why wouldn't he go back to fishing? It's what he was good at. I get it. Besides, Jesus never said give up fishing, did he? He simply asked him if he could imagine something more for his life. He invited him to consider doing something more, such as merely not catching fish, but learning what it means to become a fisher of people. So Peter went fishing. He went back to what he knew. It was an unproductive night. They didn't catch anything. And as the sun rises, Jesus shows up and calls his disciples to try again. He doesn't criticize them. He doesn't say, hey, guys, come on. Why did you give up so quickly? He says, try again. I know it's been a fruitful or fruitless night. Throw the net on the other side. So they do. And they catch more fish than they can imagine. What I also like about this story is when they arrive ashore, when Peter arrives on shore, again, he doesn't give them a hard time. He simply, simply invites them to share of their lives what they had caught with what he had already provided so that they could work together with him to take with what they had done and who they were and let him then use it to expand it. You see, this is the rhythm of Easter. It is the rhythm of our faith. It is a resurrection faith. It is one that we are called to enter into each and every day of our lives. To understand that Easter is ongoing. It's not just something that happened to Jesus or for us through Jesus, but it is something that we are called to live into for ourselves. Resurrection is a way of living into our faith that changes us, transforms our lives, as we continue to follow the call of God throughout our lives. This rhythm is modeled in the seasons. It's modeled even in each and every day, but it's also modeled in our bodies. The cells in our body are constantly replacing themselves. They regenerate, which means they die, then they are regenerated, they divide, they multiply, they die, they regenerate, it goes on and on. There is a rhythm of resurrection even in our own bodies. They tell me that the cells in the lining of the stomach are exposed to acid and they replace themselves about every five days. The cells in our epidermis or skin last about a week. The red blood cells for about four months. Now at the other end of the spectrum, some cells take much longer, maybe even up to seven or more years to regenerate. A bone completely remodels itself and replaces all of its cells every 10 years. Cells in the intestinal tract and other linings outside of the stomach about 15 years. So you tell me what you think, can people change? It seems like we do. You and I are not the same people we were 10 years ago. All you have to do is look in the mirror. So I look in the mirror now and I go, who is this old guy? The truth is, we do change each and every day. We're just not really aware of it. But many who follow Jesus seem to believe that maybe there's a magic formula we must follow, some right way of doing faith or discipleship. They believe that we must hold certain ideas or follow certain rules. And what we do there is we're seeking uniformity. We're seeking a place that's comfortable to hang out with people just like us. Because when we gather with people who are not, and that's what God calls us to, to gather not in uniformity, but in unity of love, 
we bump against people who are different. We bump into events, even our own family. We get together, our, our family gatherings, I used to tell people, I still do, our family used to put the fun in dysfunction. We had crazy Aunt Verna and we had Aunt Bertha. We had people that were characters and interesting and, and I am pretty sure that I made some of them absolutely crazy as a kid growing up. I didn't mean to, but somehow we learned to love each other. I think that's what God calls us to. Unity based upon love and acceptance like we see modeled here in John 21. Our faith can't be boiled down to a simple set of rules or regulations other than the fact that Jesus calls us to love one another. There is no magic formula that'll make everything all right and make God love us more than God already loves us. So it's not about finding the three or five or 10 simple keys to living. It's about simply living your life not being bound up about what's happened in the past, but living your life, living into your own understanding of what resurrection looks like as we seek to live by faith, trusting in God's love, believing that each and every day gives us new opportunities to touch people's lives, as well as sometimes fall, just as Peter did. See, one of the things I, I like about Peter's story, he is the epitome of going big, isn't he? I mean, if Peter was going to do something, he was all in. And when you go big, what happens? Sometimes you fall big too, isn't it? And after too many falls, sometimes we stop going big. We begin to pull back. We begin to say, you know, that, that, that's, it's a little too risky. It's a little too vulnerable. I, I don't want to look bad or silly. So we take the path of least resistance. We go back to fishing or whatever it is that helps us be comfortable and at peace. Jesus, when he met with Peter after that breakfast, I believe in these questions. He said, Peter, do you love me? I want you to go back to the person you were when I met you so long ago. I want you to be that person and live with love and joy. Live your life simply as who you are. And when you fall, I'll be there to pick you up. In these words along the shore, I have a sense that Peter, who I suspect was pretty good at fishing, was also pretty good at reaching people because of who he was. We all are, if we're genuine, if we're real, if we're sincere, people are attracted to that. When we let go of his ideas of who he thought God thought he should be and simply was who he was, he was able to live into who God created him to be and to live fully and completely. There is no magic formula or ingredients. It's simply to trust God's love. I believe that we are called to embrace the call to have faith and to live into our own resurrection, and to learn what it means to grow and trust God and better love those around us as well as ourselves. We do this by letting go of those things that hold us back. Ideas, failures, things that happened. Is it easy? No. Many times we have to do it all over again each and every day when we rise. But as we do, we understand how deeply God loves us, how deeply connected we are to God and one another and even ourselves. I want to explain what this looks like in a story. It's a story about George Fox and William Penn. 
As you may know, I began my ministry as a Quaker minister, a pastor, and I used to love reading the stories of George Fox because he was a lot like John Wesley, a man of deep faith and loved the grace of God. The Quakers were people who freely believed that the light of God, the Holy Spirit, lived within them and would guide their lives and call them to live lives simply, to be honest, to say what you mean and mean what you say. They believed that God called them to not wear fancy things, but to blend in with the people around them so there was no distinction between them and others, so they could see and live their lives in a way that connected them with all people. They believed they were called to love people and not harm them, so they became pacifists. They laid down their arms. Well, William Penn, whose father was of the aristocracy in England, had been given a land grant that we know as Pennsylvania, and his father sent him there to govern it and form it and shape it. But William Penn had also been touched by the teachings and the lives of the Quakers and had begun to follow Christ in their manner. So before he went to the colonies, he went to George Fox and said, what do I do? I have a dilemma. Look at me and look at you. I have a big broad rimmed hat. I've got a plume. I have fine clothing. I wear expensive boots and I carry a sword. Should I take these things off and lay them down? I love the words that George Fox said to him. He said, what you need to do is wear those things. Continue to be who you are. Don't take them off because I tell you to or anyone else. What you do is you listen to God, you wait for God, you seek God's leading in your life and what God tells you to take off that hat and that coat and lay down that sword, that's when you do it. In other words, he's saying simply live into your own resurrection by listening and waiting and watching for God's leading. I close with these words of St. Irenaeus who lived during the second century, who said the glory of God is this, a man or woman who is fully alive. And then he went on to say, Jesus Christ in his infinite love has become what we are in order that he may make us entirely what he is. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ in his infinite love has become what we are in order that he may make us entirely what he is. So I ask you again, what do you think? Can people change? Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.